and welcome to episode 90 of Man vs. Business. My name is Les Janes, and I am here with my co-host, Sean McManaman. In this week's podcast, Sean and I are discussing the topic of metrics, the good, the bad, and the ugly. So with that, let's go ahead and get started. Sean, how's it going? Good, Les. How are you today? I am doing fine. So... You know, we have to we have to tell our listeners what we were doing before the uh, the opening of this podcast. You know, you'd think that before these podcasts, we actually sit and plan out the show. That is not what we do. <laughs> well, well, we do warm up. I think I think we warm up our our talking and our thinking, but it just happens to be on a different topic. <laughs> yes. So Sean is trying to convince me to come out to California and 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 hike Half Dome with him. So, which sounds very exciting, but then I saw pictures on the internet and <laughs> then I started getting a little nervous. <laughs> so, oh, no. so anyways, you'd think that uh, before these shows that he and I actually sat down and scripted this stuff and, and actually went through the topic itself. I think we spent uh, 30 minutes talking about Half Dome and about five minutes talking about the show we're going to do today. Well, yeah, but the thing is, that's, that's the thing. The, the discussions that we have each week, we live day-to-day, year-over-year, so... We do, you're right. Yeah, I mean, that's a... I mean, you should always be prepared. I would say maybe that's another show, <laughs> is as how to be prepared. But, you know, really, this is a discussion between you and me and what we what we see, what we've seen over the, the years, and, I don't know, just tidbits of, of how we handle things. I mean, that's, that's the bottom line, is what actions are taken to, to uh, address scenarios, you know, at work or at life. I mean... Yeah, that half dome thing—that's the life thing. And, and uh, yeah, I'm actually, telling I've got, you, I've got a long weekend coming up too, so it'll be—it'll—I was at half dome two weekends ago, and I'll be up uh, on the Marin Headlands this coming weekend uh, checking out the beach. That's uh, awesome. That's awesome. awesome. Got to get out and do things, no doubt. Yeah. So you know, and that uh, you know, I was going to say before we go on to our topic—that's a good point. That you know, just to kind of remind people that. Really, the reason we're doing this podcasting is is because you and I have, you know, spent so many years just kind of talking about things in general, and um, you know, the the reason we do the podcast is just because we thought maybe in, people would be interested to listen, interested in listening to uh, the topics that we we cover because we're talking about them anyways. Because we we I kind of feel like Sean and I kind of mentor each other. Um, you know, he, he kind of gives me some ideas and guidance and every once in a while I'll have an idea for him. <laughs> and, well, you um, need a, you need a sounding board and, you do. and even multiple sounding boards. So yeah, it's nice that you and I can toss out topics and, and work through, you know, or process topics. Um, yeah. But, you know, and it, and it is good to get perspective from different people with different experiences. So we just happened to record this one. Yeah. Yeah. There you go. So, so today's topic, we thought we would talk about, uh, metrics. So, um, the reason this one came up is because, uh, in the environment that I'm currently in, um, you know, we've got a lot of metrics that are going in a lot of different directions, um, being used in, in a lot of different ways. And so one of the things that came to my mind was, you know, how you should be using metrics uh, effectively, um, and then some questions and some guidelines on when to create a metric. Um, you know, the, the thought of letting go of some metrics, um, you know, making sure that you're not overwhelmed, 
you know, how, how do the metrics tell a story? Uh, you know, because, uh, you know, so I think there's several things that I'd like to touch on, on, on metrics in general. And, and so we thought this would be a, a good topic to kind of cover and go through. Yeah. I, I think when you brought the topic up, I, I, of course, the list of questions go through my mind as to, yeah, who, who creates them and why. Right. Um, you know, controlling, controlling what metrics are collected and the, the output, the information that's generated from that raw data, it really needs to be purposeful with somebody looking after who, how, and when it's collected and then what does it get processed into. So, I mean, that's, that's basically my summary right there. So we can talk through, we can talk through, you know, scenarios of, of situations in, in where people like to collect metrics because they think, you know, they're, they're doing the right thing by collecting certain data, but it could be sending them down the wrong path. So personally for me, and, and, and I kind of want to take the financial metrics and maybe set them aside for a second, because I don't, I, I think financial metrics are never going to go away. You know, those are, those are metrics that are, that are important to the, the company and will always be a part of the company's DNA. Yeah. Um, yeah. So and, I, I want to kind of say metrics yeah, are, are after the fact. Sorry. It's, you always yes. look at financial metrics are after the fact. Um, what we call a lagging indicator, a lagging indicator, but you do need, you do need them to know how well you did with the resources you had. Right. You know, um, I, one of, one of my favorite ones that I look at just off the top when it comes to a financial metric is uh, sales per headcount. Ah, and, okay. And, and every, every, company is different. I mean, I like, I like, you know, ours where we have guys in a, in a shop. So we've got a certain amount, number of shop guys. Well, they're obviously not selling, but they support sales. So, so even, even having shop people in the calculation of, of headcount per, or I'm sorry, revenue per headcount, you kind of look at it and say, Hey, we're doing pretty good or we're not doing well with the number of people we have and the revenue that's being generated to cover each person that, that we've got in the company. So I, I like that one. And maybe I like it because it's, it's not too bad. <laughs> so, so I guess going down that path, the one that I'm kind of honed in on from a financial perspective is the operating contribution. Um, well, there you go. Yeah. Um, metric. And, and the reason I'm honed in on that one is because our currently our incentive is tied to that one. So that, <laughs> that'll make you hone in on something, won't it? <laughs> yes, and I will say, and I continuously say, you get what you pay for. Yes, you get you get what you you get what you compensate people for. You know, I'll get a little bit more specific. Yeah, you 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 get what will drive people to money in their pocket. So there's mm-hmm. always there's always you know the me issue. So you have to be careful when you're when you're tying compensation to certain metrics. So that's one of the things I want to talk talk about here in a minute is is the dual edged sword of metrics. Which oh, is, yeah. you know, how, you know, it driving, um, certain habits and, and, and situations. So we can touch on that in just a second. One of the things I was wanting to touch on also was, um, uh, metrics that, that I always think of as to why you would, you would capture metrics. So the financial metrics are, you know, actually going to drive your decision making around financial information and, how well your company is doing. But again, like you said, it's after the fact, right? So one of the things that, um, um, 
I'm trying to focus on and, and trying to get other people to focus on is, is making sure that you focus on metrics that drive change. So I think that that's, you know, that's a big segment and that usually falls under the quality category of what metrics are you capturing that drive change. So of course, everyone always wants again to go to the leading indicators or the, I'm sorry, the lagging indicators of those metrics. And they want to track things like on-time delivery or, you know, the quality of product going out the door or, you know, something along those lines. All right. Well, here's a question for you. So in the language that you just used, metrics that will, that will lead to change, like thinking of that, why, why do you think something has to lead to change? Like to me, metrics is metrics are, I should say, it's kind of like the scoreboard, right? Mm -hmm. Sure. So the scoreboard, the scoreboard doesn't tell you, you know, the result of the metrics. If you're playing, you know, a a soccer match and and you're down four nil. Yeah. That, that, that metric says, Hey, we better do something to score. So, so if you're, if you're with the four goals, then you look at it like, okay, well we have to just keep doing what we're doing. So there's not necessarily a change. So I guess, I, I guess I just, when I heard you say that, I was like, oh, well, wh- why do you categorize it as metrics that would drive change? Okay. As so opposed I, to metrics that drive, that drive information that we can make decisions on. Okay. So I'm not sure I necessarily distinguish between those two because I think of what you just said, which was make, uh, make decisions on. That's what I'm thinking change is. Mm-hmm. And maybe maybe my definition is a little bit off, but I guess my point to that to that comment is: Should you be measuring things that aren't important at the time, or well, are not driving change, or are not driving change? Okay, so maybe we should categorize these into a couple of of buckets. Okay, and and. One bucket is you, you collect metrics on the health of the organization. Okay. Okay. And that, you know, when we can think about what the, the sub categories are of what, what will tell you the health of the organization, of course, financial, you know, on time delivery and stuff like that. If, and then maybe the other bucket then is metrics that address a certain issue. So if, if you, if, if you have customers that are complaining, or you have um, a lot of drop in your in your shop, and so there's a problem there. Okay, well then it sounds to me like you're you're thinking, hey, the metrics that we need now in the next for the next short period of time is what do we do to capture the reasons for high waste in our shop, and then that and then that's a metric that will drive change, right? Like think you think I'm I'm being too picky as to to talk about metrics. No. And and I think, so I think that one of the reasons I bring this up, because you bring up some very valid points there. No, I don't think you're being too picky because, you know, one of the things we do is, is we actually um, uh, submit out to the organization, this whole slew of about 20 different metrics uh, that, that um, give information about uh, gross margin, gross margin variance, um, you know, uh, gross margin compared to last year, um, uh, you know, sales columns made this month, uh, new customers gathered this month, 
uh, and, and and literally it is a slew of about twenty different um, uh, metrics that were captured each month. And I sit there and I look at those, and I go, okay, it's it. I compare it to to Chevy Chase on um, uh, vacation, where they stand at the the Grand Canyon and they kind of shake their heads and say, "Yep, that's the Grand Canyon." Boy, it's it's great. It's very cool. Okay, where are we going now? <laughs> you know, it's that it's that. Okay, that's good stuff. But what am I going to do with it? You know. So I think of I think of metrics as as really in my mind that if if you're not using it to again I'm going to use the word drive some drive change drive something. I kind you, of you drive my, behavior. Yeah, I, I kind of behavior. I kind of think to myself, why, why are we doing this? Why are we spending so much time with all of these if we're not going to do something with it? You know, if we're not yeah. going to tackle a problem and, or if we're not going to have the discussions on, okay, our gross margin was, uh, 50% less than last month. Okay. Good to know. Are, are we right. going to do something? You know, well, that's where I was going to go. Yeah, you know, that's what I was going to go next. You're, you're sending if you're sending 20 metrics out to everybody. Yeah, does it mean does it mean everything to anything to any everybody? And it might it might mean something to some people. And and I think that's what you need to do is drive the metrics that that you analyze that need changing or need something uh, addressed. Yes. So if your margin is down 50 percent. If the, if the salesperson gets that, Hey, margin's down 50%. Well, my margin was up by an extra 30%. What does he care then? Overall margin. Somebody's, somebody's sucking eggs and they're not doing their job, but it's not me. Yeah. And then the per, you know, so I guess, I guess that's the thing. If you send out a generic, a generic number, it really means nothing to everyone. And, and if the person that's not doing well, he knows, Hey, I'm not doing well, but Hey, at least we got. Some margin, good. I, I appreciate the guys helping out the uh, the greater the greater cause. You know, so that's where you, they don't mean it doesn't mean anything to the masses if it is not specific to you know a smaller group. You know, you brought up a you know a good point earlier that you know how can we so to speak categorize or bucketize uh, the thoughts around some of these metrics? And I do think there are you know, and this is really and we've talked about this in previous. Uh, podcast, but really kind of what we're talking about as far as buckets go is, uh, the balance scorecard. So you, you've got your financial, um, uh, bucket, you've got your customer bucket, you've got your, uh, internal business processes and you've got your learning and your growth, learning Mm -hmm. and growth as, as another bucket. And you can kind of think of your metrics as fitting into one of those four usually. Um, you know, there's other arrangements that you can do or other metrics and, I'm not necessarily wanting to rehash the balanced scorecard, um, but you can think of your metrics as fitting into one of those four classifications. And, you know, I usually think that from an internal business process, those are the metrics that you're working on that usually drive some sort of change. The financial bucket, those are usually metrics that are driving the health of the organization. Mm-hmm. Also, I would classify the customer metrics that you have is probably uh, the health of the organization. But I would think of internal business processes and learning and growth as being the two metrics that are driving change within the organization. So, all right. So, 
Yeah. So thinking of if you if you put them in those four buckets uh-huh. and you have data that gets collected in each of those buckets, then then certain metrics fall out. Do you or should you or I think you should? Then you look at it and say, well, who needs to get this information? Right. And and it could be some matrix of of people in the organization across different disciplines at certain levels to get the information and then and then along if you if you do drive the information to the people you have to follow that up with hey ensure that this stays above a certain goal like you can't like you can't have an arbitrary hey our margin is at say our, our you know our gross margin like 50% of you say our our gross margin is typically 50% a month hey make sure that it stays above 49% and you're good so if that's what the company is okay with that's fine. Right. And people know what the, know, know if it starts to dip, they know that they have to address it. Right. Which again is a lagging indicator. But then in order to prevent it dipping, you have to look at, indi- at leading indicators to keep it above the 50% gross margin. Right. And see, those are the kind of metrics that I think you keep forever. And you don't want a ton of those because, you know, to keep up with a lot of those is, is very resource intensive. You know, so I think you've got to find some of the high-end financial and customer metrics that you feel comfortable tracking. And if you know that the health of those are doing good, then that gives you a good uh, representation that the organization is doing not perfect, but it's doing well. And you can kind of set some stretch goals on that. Now, when you're looking at those, I definitely think you got to have a goal because you know, one of the things you and I both learned in, in, in a previous life was you got to be able to tell if you're winning or losing. If it's just a number that's sitting there and you can't tell if you're winning or losing again, what's the point? You know, exactly. okay. Um, you know, we went down in gross margin. I'm, I think that's bad, you know, but <laughs> I know that's bad actually. But, but my point is, is if you went down by 2% as opposed to 50%, you know, there's definitely. Well, I mean, I guess the thing is, if you go down by two percent in gross margin, in overall gross margin, well, did your did your costs go down by two percent or greater? Then maybe your net margin is higher and things are okay. Yeah, good point. You know, so you know, so, so yeah, you have to you have to understand. You have to look at the whole picture. Yeah, yeah. So speaking from the internal business processes or the learning and growth uh, measures, those are the ones that I think that you should be measuring very specific things on. And that those are the, the, um, uh, uh, the, the metrics that you should be, uh, measuring based on the needs of the organization. Where do you need to improve? So one of the things we're doing right now is we're trying to make our quoting process and our, and our order acceptance process better. But we don't know what better looks like because we never measured what it currently was. You know, so that's in the, we're in the mode right now of saying, okay, where are we at right now? Now, you don't want to spend too much time capturing old data just to find out that you were bad and you already knew you were bad, you know. So well, that's interesting. I was gonna I was gonna bring that up. So you you realize you have a feeling. Yes, you have a feeling, or you. And, if and you're that far out of touch with the organization, then yeah. maybe you got other problems. So you know, don't go and and you know spend a ton of time trying to capture old data that's going to tell you, oh, you're bad. Oh, okay. I knew that. 
<laughs> I knew that because everybody's calling me going, you're bad. <laughs> so here, here's my first suggestion is if you, if you have an idea that you are not doing as well as you could. Right. And you need, and you need to improve. I agree with you completely. Don't collect data on how bad you are. Yeah. What you need to do, what you need to do is think, okay, well, what causes us to be bad? Exactly. And then start measuring, start measuring what causes us to be bad. Not the end, re- not the end result. You know, I can't get drawings out on time and look at, okay, so I'm, I'm typically four days late on drawings. Okay. Well, we knew we were always late on drawings. What you got to spend the time in is, is going back through the swim lane diagrams, the, the process That's flow exactly diagrams right. and finding out, okay, well, what is the time it takes to get the information or what is it? What are the inputs to the output? And, and again, I'll, I'll harp on it. Of course, what are the leading indicators to being late on drawings and take a handful of, of those leading indicators and measure them for a little while and see, and, you know, and with those, you can make slight improvements, slight changes because you know that if it sits in somebody's, you know, the drawing sits in somebody's inbox for four days, that's going to cause less time somewhere else down the line. So, okay, right there. How do we, how do we drop this to one day or two days in somebody's inbox and cut it, cut the time in half? Well, and you made a great point. You've, you've got to methodically go through and start figuring out what your business process looks like in its current state. Uh, if you try to jump immediately to solving the problem, you're going to, to have lots of issues. You're met and you won't be able to, with your metrics, you won't be able to tell um, very easily if you're getting better. So, you know, I think understanding your current state, however you want to do that, we won't necessarily push a particular method uh, out at, in this particular podcast, but, you know, Sean and I definitely have our opinions there, but, you know, <laughs> um, but, but figuring out your current state is really the first thing you need to do some investment in and make sure you understand it and make sure you involve the people that are involved in that current state activity. You know, don't try to guess at what you think it is. That's it. All right. Here, here's a scenario for yep. you. So people that are listening here completely understand and are like, yes, we need to do that. But their manager, their manager looks at the end result and says, hmm, we're not doing well. Fix it. <laughs> Get it done. Make it better. So I don't care what it takes. You know, yeah. you ever see those oh, people? I, yes. Yeah. I, I, okay. I dealt with those people in the past life. <laughs> yeah. So, so, so now if you have a manager or leader, well, I guess no, the way I, I, the way I would start that, the way I would start that would be, you're going to, it sounds like you're going to have to try to manage up and try to convince, yes, right. yeah. And try to convince your leadership that understanding the current state is extremely important to continuous improvement. If you try to improve something that you don't know what state it's in, it's, I'm trying to think of an analogy. It's, it's, it's not good. You know, um, <laughs> I don't, I can't think of an analogy. Uh, I can't think of a movie reference, <laughs> um, yeah. but uh, so you, you've, you've got to at least convince them to spend a little bit of time understanding your current state. Um, and, and, you know, even if, even if understanding that current state is, you know, the four or five people that are in the, in the middle of the process, you know, they get together and they re- review a process flow diagram or a swim lane diagram or, 
something to that effect, and at least understand the steps that are involved. Um, but once you have that information, and of course, I'm the type of person that wants that to all be visual, but even if you wrote out the steps, you know, it still works. There's nothing that says you have to do it a, a certain way, but, but I'm, I'm a very visual person, so I would want a diagram. But, um, but at least having that baseline, you could at least agree with the group, okay, it's easy to look at this and, and, and pick out the three, you know, one to three items that are the big wins for waste in the process. So that's what you're looking for is waste in the process or errors in the process or rearrangement of the process. So that's, you're trying to look at, yeah, you're trying to look for that. And there's going to be lots of opportunities. You're going to, you'll actually look at it and you'll think of 50 different things, but focus on the big waste areas, the areas that if you removed a chunk, it would make a major difference in the process. Start there, fine tune later. Start with the, start with the big stuff. Start with the obvious big stuff. Um, so, you know, if you've got somebody that's running 50 reports, uh, as part of the process and you know, nobody's looking at it, that's a big win right there. They could be taking them a day to run all those reports. I don't know. I'm just guessing at something, but, um, you know, look for those types of things in, in, in the process. Look for bloat, what I call bloat in the process. You know, things that you've had to create over time, uh, things that, uh, you know, have developed on their own. Uh, look for those types of things. Look for changes in swim lane. If you did a swim lane diagram, uh, look for, for multiple changes back and forth. Uh, those are great indicators that you're wasting a lot of time because as that swim lane changes from one group to the next, I can almost guarantee you there's a cue in there that's wasting a lot of time in the process. No doubt. Yeah. So, so look for those types of opportunities. Now, one of my favorite diagrams to do, um, uh, that build, that I build metrics on is, is a value stream map. A value stream map is usually, Mm -hmm. you know, a very high level map. Uh, you know, what I guess a lot of people call the 30,000 foot view. Um, but with that map comes, uh, the idea of, of measuring the major steps within the process and coming up with the, um, the waste, uh, the waste in the process that would also, uh, you know, highlight areas in the overall process, uh, from beginning to end of where you've got waste. And so, you know, that's another way of, of finding things. And again, you, you can use those diagrams to help you define what you're measuring. So another thing I wanted to touch on with, with metrics is making sure that it's very clear what you're measuring. I don't know how many times I've gone through a scenario where people didn't quite understand where it was starting and where it was stopping and what was being measured. If you don't understand the details behind it, metrics can drive all kinds of incorrect perceptions. Mm-hmm. And that's oh, what yeah, you seen that. that's what you don't want to have happen. So earlier you heard us mention that metrics have a dual edged sword. And the, and the reason we said that was because uh, the fact that metrics can drive not only good behavior, but it can also drive bad behavior. And so you definitely want to make sure that your metrics are clear as to what you're measuring and that the metric is driving the behavior that you're looking for. You know, so. Right. So the scenario, the scenario there that I guess I want to make sure people understand because I've seen it in the past. If, if you have 
if you're the leader and you've got, say, a, a, a manager underneath you or whatever, and he's providing the metrics and people get compensated on the metrics or, you know, the attaboys come out because of the metrics, um, make sure you as the leader understand the detail as to what you're getting mm-hmm. and, and challenge it. Make sure that you understand it as it fits in the process because if, if one manager is providing details on, on that part of the supply chain of the whole organization, then it's got to dovetail with what the inputs are to the next step. Right. And so if there is a gap, if there's a gap between metrics that you're getting from, from one discipline with the metrics that you get from the, the discipline, either the next step or the, you know, a couple steps down the line, if there's a, if there's a gap in, well, how can one area be doing so well? And then magically the inputs are not doing so well. It's, it, it's okay to challenge and then actually you need to challenge the origin of the data and the report that comes out of any given discipline. Yep. In the supply chain. Yeah. yeah. So I think that that's what we, yeah, cause we've seen that. Cause people, people, you know, if you, yeah, cause people will, I'm not saying people are necessarily, uh, manipulating data, but they will, they will make sure that, that there will, there's a, a plan to either start off poor and, and show that they're getting better or always show that they're great and there's no problem. I mean, I, I guess I shouldn't be so cynical, but I've seen it before and I would, I would caution leaders of an organization to make sure that they, that they really do understand. They can't live at that 80,000 foot level, 30,000 feet. You should be able to understand what the data is and how it dovetails, how that baton is passed from one part of the organization. Well, just to give you an example, and this is kind of an interesting example, um, we had our uh, wellness meeting today, and one of the things somebody said in the session was, well, hey, I'm going to uh, bulk up on food so that when we actually start measuring, I'm actually at the high end, and it, it'll look yep. like I'm I'm losing more weight than I actually am if I had just stayed right here. Now, the person was semi-joking, but still, the theory is is that if people can manipulate it just a little bit to help them out in the long run, they, they, they'll mm-hmm. convince themselves it's an okay thing to do. And, and, and that's right. And, and, and not yeah. feel bad about it per se. Um, you know, I think the point there so, is yeah, you just you gotta, gotta be, you just gotta be careful with metrics because they do drive behavior. <laughs> yeah. They, exactly. they do drive behavior. So, Hey, if I can go back to, to the scenario that, that you, and we were talking about, and then, and then you were talking about, you know, how to get metrics. And, and, uh, and if the manager, I think we started it by my comments, if the manager says, you know, get it done, make it better. Yeah. And, you know, maybe there's three or four people in the meeting and they're like, all right, well, what do we do? And I just want to, I just want to be clear because you started talking about they should and, and, it was very generic. Really, what you want to see and what I would like to see is one person stand up and say, okay, this is what I see. This is what's happening in my area. You know, we should, we should work together. You know, I, I guess a leader should emerge from that group. I would like to see a leader emerge from the group. The group isn't going to do it on its own because group think doesn't naturally form into any kind of, of uh, advancement in the needs of, of the group. That's my so I'm going to ask, philosophical so I'm gonna ask you a question. Point. How many times have you ever yeah. seen that happen? Where somebody 
No, a lot. Somebody, somebody yeah. elevated themselves from the, the ruins and said, you know what? I'm going to kind of stand up and, and help guide this group because, uh, you know, our leader obviously doesn't get it. <laughs> yeah. You know, how many times do you well, see? They don't have to announce no, it. I, you're right. The thing is, yeah, you don't have to announce it. But, you know, if you if you're in a group that that wants to sit back and just get told to get it done without any specifics and 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 say, hey, I'm doing my job. I don't care. Well, then, OK, that's a pretty crappy group. And I don't know if I would want to be sure. Of it. So what I'm saying is what I'm saying is if you're in a group and it doesn't look too motivated to get anything done, you know, don't stand up and put a. S on your chest like you're Superman. Just say, hey, I'm going to collect data on what comes across my desk and, you know, measure, measure what my inputs are and my output and be prepared to d- discuss with the manager. Because the thing is, you're always going to have that leader, that manager, and they're the person that's going to evaluate you on your performance. So at least what you could do is make sure that, that your information is clear. You understand it and come up with suggestions you could work with the other people in the group to say you know hey if you did this or if you did this and got it to me by eight o'clock in the morning instead of nine o'clock in the morning what prevents you from doing that you know they you might spur people on to to uh achieve a higher level of performance and then that will be noticed in the organization eventually if not then you should move to some organization that does that's a great point i mean that that is the way to um you know personally improve yourself uh and ele- and possibly right. elevate others yeah so you know and i mean i, I, I guess would, i would I classify would, that yeah. as just taking some initiative yeah take initiative but like i said you know you, you don't have to be like all right al haig uh, there's probably too many young people that, 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 that <laughs> al don't know haig, al haig. Yeah. <laughs> yeah who the president was who's that reagan was that we got shot right. or something i'm in charge uh-huh. here and it was, he was like third in line. It wasn't even close. He just decides, oh, I'm in charge. Don't stand up and do that. Cause then you're just going to get hammered. Exactly. But <laughs> you'll be brought up in podcasts but, 30 years later. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. But, um, kind of be smart about it on, on what you want to get done or what you see needs to get done. Because you know what? Everybody sees the, the faults. Mm-hmm. Everybody sees what, you know, if, if, if you're, if you're having a hard time getting your part of the business flow, done or out or on time, whatever the metric is that you're trying to achieve. I mean, you, you know what the poor input is to you. Now, if, if, if you're the, if you're the problem and, and you shouldn't even think if you're the problem, but you should always be thinking, well, how do I improve what I do to help? The right. cause? And so if you're saying, Hey, this is one thing that I can do. Um, if you ask questions, I wouldn't tell people what to do. Don't, don't, whatever you do, don't tell people, Hey, you need to go do this because then people put the, wall up and they say, Hey, don't tell me what to do and how to do exactly ask questions on, on how things can be done differently in order to, in order to make everybody else's, in order to make everybody's life better. And then if you make your boss look good, that's always, well, and I, I do believe, but you don't have to be, don't be a suck up either though. Well, and I do <laughs> believe it depends on the type of culture you're in. Yeah. And I guess, yeah, yeah. That plays a part. I mean, you, you live the culture. Yeah. You live the culture that you're in. I mean, if, and it's hard to switch jobs, I know. If you're in a job, especially if you're young and it doesn't fit your culture and, and your culture, <laughs> your culture is one of achievement and success and fun. Cause they all have to be together. If you don't like going to work, there's no point in that's going. That's exactly right. Find something else to do. That is exactly so, right. So, I mean, that's the culture that you need to look for. 
Um, and if it's not there, then yeah, maybe you should. Be I said that in my lunch prayer today. Yeah, oh, I, yeah? I, I got lunch for everybody at work. And when I said the prayer, uh, I, I kind of mentioned, you know, that we all have to be together. And so we should be making it fun and, and having a good time. Yeah. yeah, it's good when you have food because food makes everybody it does. happy. It, boy, it does. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was a, a, very, a very good topic. Yeah, it's a good thing we didn't prepare. We'd go on for another three or four hours. You, no doubt. Why don't we go ahead and end it right here. And um, Sean, I hope you have a good evening. Thanks, yeah. you too, Les. Take care. Bye, too. Bye. I hope you enjoyed this episode of Man versus Business. Please note that neither Sean nor myself are business consultants. We just have a strong passion for discussing all things business. Please remember to visit sigmatree.co to see our other podcasts, our business ventures, and our blog. And by the way, you can also drop us a line from the message page. Again, thank you and have a good week. Thank you.